Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So this section is definitely about walking in the light. I noticed right away, reading verse 8, that it doesn't just say you were in darkness, but doesn't it say there that you were darkness? Later on, as we read down in this chapter, it doesn't say that we were just sick. It doesn't say that we were close to dead. It says that we were in need of resurrection. So the truth here in verse 8 is that we were once dead and now we're alive. We were once darkness. Once darkness defined who we were and what we were about. And now we are light in Christ. So everything will be walk in the light since that's part of the theme here. Walk in the light being light. The good side of this is that then the Lord says to us that we're not just in the light, we're not just walking in the light, but we are light. Listen to this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, did he not? But he also said, you are the light. Didn't he say that to his followers? He did. Later on in verse 14, it says, Christ will give you light. Here, we learn that walking in the light is literally a part of our identity. That truth that we covered in such detail in the first three chapters, the truth that we are light because of Christ, that we are predestined, that we are adopted, that we are redeemed, that we take on a whole new identity because of Christ. And here that is described as light. Paul points to our position in Jesus and he sticks to that, our standing, who you are as a saved soul. That's the foundation of right living. This is telling us, as we're getting in now to the practical part of it, live who you are. Live consistently with your identity. In those moments of temptation, do you ever say to yourself, that's not me? Do you ever say to yourself, or maybe it's the Spirit saying to you, that's not you. You're a new creation. That's not what you're about. That's not who you are. To live like that would be inconsistent with what God has made you. Yes, that's the voice of the Spirit speaking to us in those moments when we have a decision about if we're going to walk in darkness or walk in the light. That doesn't fit my identity. That doesn't fit who I am in Christ. That's not who I am anymore. Live like who you are. You are a child of God. You are a child of the King. And that truth is one of those amazing truths that we just keep coming back to. But God doesn't give us that truth about our standing, and here it once again calls us children, so that we can broadcast that in a way that's bragging on ourselves. Like, I'm a prince, or I'm a princess. I'm the treasure of God. The world would take that position and use it for something different, wouldn't it? Take it and use it as a position of status to elevate oneself. But these realities of who we are in Christ, they're to change our lives. I've noticed that many songs today, songs that are written for corporate worship in the church, they talk about a lot about who we are in Christ, which is so very true. But very few of them follow that up with, since you are light, then live as light. Since you are a new creation in Christ, live like a new creation in Christ. It's wonderful to know this reality that we're royalty. But what happens when a whole bunch of people get together and they believe that they need to be treated like royalty? Is that the church? 
You even go down our hallway, and there's all these signs about our standing in Christ. You know, I'm treasured to the Lord. I'm, I'm precious to him. And then do we walk around thinking, I'm so precious. Why isn't everybody treating me like that? This is our standing in Christ, and it's our identity in him. But the truth is, is that you and I are to be servants. Fastened to that reality is that we are light. We shouldn't want to take this attitude, I'm, I'm a child of God and I deserve to be treated as such. That attitude is taking that biblical truth and making a worldly conclusion. Instead, let that truth of your biblical identity lead you to the conclusion of being Christ-like, right? It shouldn't put a chip on our shoulder. That affirmation is needed. It's right here in the scriptures, but it's to change our actions. Walk in the light, being the light. Do you see what the strategist, do you see what Satan is trying to do? Satan is trying to get the world to identify itself in certain ways, isn't he? That term identify isn't used accidentally. The enemy wants you to identify yourself in some other way because the enemy knows, the devil knows, that if you identify as something, your actions will follow, won't they? So now, here he is trying to get us to think, where do I fit? Who am I? What group do I fit into? And this is not just for teenagers. This is for all ages being misled about the importance of their image and their identity. Isn't that rampant in our world today? What's my image? What's my identity? What kind of statement am I going to make? Christian, you know what your statement should be? Christ. Before you're anything else, you're a follower of Jesus. You're a child of God, and you're to emanate his light. The enemy wants us to get focused on things that are not really our first identity. Every other identity comes under you living for Jesus, you being redeemed, you being saved by the grace of God. It's not about our demographic. It's not about our race, our political persuasions. You say, oh, you're throwing all that away. No, I'm saying that those are things that tend to get in front of our true identity, aren't they? We even take small things like the clothes we wear or the hobbies that we enjoy, what kind of subculture we take pleasure in, and that starts to become the priority of our identity. This should not be so. Our identity is being light because Christ is light. I often warn my own kids and I warn the teenagers, if you listen to rap or pop or country or hip-hop, let it glorify God. That's not your identity. If, you were, if you're into fitness or you're into sportsmanship, hunting, fishing, or you're into home design or cooking or whatever, don't let those things become your identity. I see this so rampant in the world. Our identity as Christians is in the Lord Jesus we are light because he is light and he has given his light to us. Walking in the light is personal, that's for sure. You individually reflect the light of Christ. But Jesus also said that this is true collectively, didn't he? That we are a city set on a hill. That because we have Christ in common, we are collectively a light for him. And we're to walk in that light. We have him as the center of all that we are. 
I don't use the term community very much, and I don't like the church using it that much, because the world can have community, but they can't have church. They can connect on a lot of other levels with a lot of other commonalities and interests. But you hear the church today say, oh, we're community. Well, let's define this. The only reason we have togetherness is because Jesus brought us together. The world can't have church. That belongs to us. If they'll believe upon his name, they can step into the family of God. We're the body of Christ. We're his hands and his feet in this world. Everything from gangs to gaming is being used to try to get people to have this sense of belonging. Do you see it? And yet, all along, it's found in Christ, the unity of the grace of God bringing us together. Don't get sucked into all those other communities. The church is so much more than community. It's light in Christ. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk in the Lord being that light. When you hear or see or realize that a believer really is being a light in whatever circumstance they're in, isn't that really inspiring? You see a Christian and you know that the way they're living their life out like Jesus is impacting the people around them. And you say to yourself, yes, that's what it's about. That person, wherever they go, whatever they do in that environment, the light of Jesus is shining into that place. That's what I want to be. That's what you want to be, walking in the light because of the light of Christ. And it says in the second half of verse 8, walk as children of light. So number two, second point, I would say walk in the light, once again, in fellowship, not far off. We were told at the beginning of this chapter that we are dear children that are to imitate God. But here we're called children again. This is to remind us that we're to walk in the light in close fellowship with God, not far off. Walk in the light in fellowship. In a healthy family, in a family that's working the way that it should, the child is close to that father, close to that mother, close to their parent. There's a bond there. There's a nearness there in that family. That child knows his or her dad or his or her mom, their, their thoughts, their interactions. That's not an authority that's far off. So when you look at God as a child and you walk in the light, do so in fellowship with him because he's not an authority that's someplace far off. He's not like in the capital all the way across the country. He's not a God who's just figuring out legislation and just handing it down to us. What commands can I conjure up in order to send to them? That's the way I feel about Congress. I'm just thinking, they just, I think they just sit around and think, well, what can we conjure up now? The Lord isn't just a giant legislative, you know, God in the sky. No, he is our father. He's our Abba father. We're near to him. At least we have the opportunity to be in fellowship with him. And when we walk in the light, that lifestyle is supposed to be in fellowship with the Lord. As you walk in the light as a child of God, he gives you comfort. You're close to him. He convicts you. He disciplines you. Let your close father be your refuge. Now, the reverse is also true. We can walk in fellowship with God as our Abba Father, or look what it says down in verse 11. 
We can also have fellowship in a different way. And it says in verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So we can choose to have koinonia. That term means to be, that's the Greek word, which means participatory communion. It means both sides are putting in, they're listening, they're giving, they're invested, they're enjoying. We can choose to have fellowship with darkness, or we can have fellowship with God Almighty as our Abba Father. As we learn about our walk, please don't leave out that fellowship. Because you can have relationship, but not have very good fellowship. I was reminded of this in a teaching by Jim Simbola recently. I mean, we can be related to each other, but does that mean that we really have close fellowship? Not necessarily, right? You can have a relationship with God, you can be a child of God, but not be in close fellowship with him. And isn't that a tragedy? Yes, it is. Whenever we choose to not be near to God, to say, I'm going to walk, but it's not going to be close. It's not going to be dear. It's not going to be intimate. Man, I don't function very well that way. Nearness to God. God's asking me just this week, why don't you just sit down at the piano to be with me anymore? Why, does it, why do you always have to be planning something, right? Why do you always have to be thinking about what songs you're going to sing at church? Why don't you just come to me through my word? You don't always have to read it to teach it, right? Just come to be with me. Think of a child who doesn't use their relationship with their parent. And it's true that we, we don't know all the inner workings of human relationships, when we look on, a, to the, on the outside to a relationship between people, we don't know exactly what somebody's like. But have you ever looked on and said, man, it's such a shame that that person isn't very close to their mother because that mother is a wonderful lady. Why aren't they in relationship or vice versa? Isn't it a shame that that parent isn't very close to that kid? Because that's a wonderful kid. I take that kid in a second, hand him over to me. And there's this sense of tragedy because there's a lack of fellowship, right? How about when it comes to God? We know who God is. We know that he is wonderful through and through. So to see somebody who is a child of God not using the fellowship that they have available to them, that's a tragedy. To say, yes, they have the truth, and the truth is good. It sets us free but they're not using the fellowship of walking in the light. They're walking afar off. Close fellowship takes intentionality, doesn't it? We must be purposeful about saying, I will make the time. If we just think that it's accidentally going to happen between us and the Lord, that we're going to have an intimate relationship with him, that we're going to hear his voice, that we're going to know his heart, that we're going to be soft to him, I hope there's a time that you can look back to in your life when you were just really soft towards the Lord. You were really, really close to him. That's good. It's called your first love, right? To say, that fellowship, I, I long for it once again. It should be important to me and you that we're near to God. Yes, that we're keeping his commands. But it's not just a command-keeping walk. It's a walk of fellowship. 
it's important to Jesus. I, I want to be a servant. I, I want to be busy doing my Father's will. But in a household, Jesus spoke this truth so clearly. What was Martha doing? She was serving. And she was serving Jesus. She was getting things ready for him. And where was Mary? Just sitting there. Now, lazy people love this account in the scriptures because they sit there a lot, right? And that's not what this is about. This is about, do we get so busy sometimes doing good things that we're not doing Mary's part? What did Jesus say about Mary sitting at his feet? What did Jesus say? Did Jesus express his perspective of what she was doing as she sat and listened and fellowshiped with him? He said, one thing is needful. Mary has chosen that thing, right? To be near to me. As you walk in the light, walk in fellowship with Jesus. Koinonia, participating in that communion with him. Paul wrote this. I'm going to read some verses leading up to it, but it says, it's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. I often think of Paul as this soldier for Christ. And he was a soldier for Christ. He relentlessly served the Lord. But when I hear him say, say in the scriptures, that I may know him, he wanted to know all the Jesus, the fellowship of his sufferings, the power of his resurrection. As you walk in the light, do so in fellowship with the Lord, not afar off. Verse 9 in Ephesians chapter 5. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Number three, walk in the light by the Spirit's power. We're reminded here that as we walk in the light, walking in the light is sometimes called walking in the Spirit in the Word of God. I realize it's, different, it's a different phrase, but to walk in the light is to walk in the power of the Spirit, is to walk in the direction of the Spirit of God. Look, as I read this, I remember reading through it because I, I try to read to the end of the book and come back. It's a fruit of the Spirit. There it is again. I usually think of Galatians 5 where it lists all those fruits of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23. But I was like, there are different ones here. Obviously, the Spirit does more. It's not an exclusive list in Galatians. Here it lists truth. I didn't find that one in the Galatians 5 list. It also lists righteousness. Walking in the light is walking by the Spirit's power. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We sang that, didn't we? If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So there's the fellowship. There's the walk in the light by the power of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10 says, Finding out what is, the, what is acceptable to the Lord. The old King James, the original King James says, Proving what is acceptable. In that case, that is more accurate because it's not just finding out what the fruit is. God has not kept the good that pleases him a mystery, has he? It's find out what is acceptable and prove that in your life through your actions. Is that what we're doing? Will we allow the Spirit to make us witnesses, proof of what is acceptable to God. So that's walk in the light by the Spirit's power. Now to verse 11. And we have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. So we are to walk in the light exposing the works of darkness. That's the fourth point. When we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the light that is from Jesus that is emanating through us exposes the darkness that is around us. When the lights are on, all of a sudden you can see all the grime, all the dirt, all the filth. When the lights are dim, things look cleaner than they really are. Isn't that true? Do you and I need to constantly go around pointing out, well, that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong? Do we need to do that? It's not that we won't speak against evil. I'm not saying that. But do we need to constantly go around saying, there's another commandment breach, there, there's another one? Or does the word say here that actually the, our lives, the light of our lives will expose darkness, and it will be seen to be just that, sin? I realize that the commandments are enumerated, and I'm so thankful that the Lord is a God of great detail. But I see here, the idea is that when we're shining as the light that God has made us to be, that the works of darkness will be exposed. The works of darkness don't like to be exposed. The people that are committing those acts, they don't want the light to shine on them because it's uncomfortable. All of a sudden, it's clear how ugly things are. I remember going through a house with a tenant who was moving out, and it was the walkthrough, and, and I went through, and I looked at things, and, and oh, everything's look good to me, you know, here's your deposit, go on your way. Michelle went down the next day to, to get it ready for the next people, and she said, there's dirt in all the corners, there's crud on the floor. I said, I didn't see that. She said, did you pull back the drapes? Did you turn on all the lights? Well, it looked good. So from then on, I did walkthroughs with all the drapes open during the day. And lo and behold, I, didn't ha I would even say in the walkthrough instructions, oh, turn on all the lights. Let all the light shine, and you'll be able to see. I won't have to say, there's stains all over all this stuff, because the light will expose what's there. So it's true in a practical sense, but it's also true in our lives and our actions. 
and when it comes to the actions of those around us. Darkness, those who want to hide in darkness don't like the light. So the idea is, let's get rid of the light. Let's do away with those that are beaming with the light of God. Let's try to get them to stop shining. You remember the song. Maybe you don't. If you don't, hide, hide it under a bushel. I don't know what a bushel is, but it's something, some kind of covering, right? Uh, right? It's a bush, yeah. If you like, I always thought if it's a bush, then it would light the whole bush on fire, so it'd be even bigger. But get it, to hide it, to conceal your light in Christ, that's the part of the agenda. Isn't that part of what you pray to the Lord about? Like, Lord, I want to shine my light. Am I holding back because people don't want that light? Help me to shine just the way you want me to, in, in perfect light. This week, just this week, Mercy and Michelle were at a thrift store. Mercy, was, she found some cute shirts. She wanted to buy them until they brought them over by the window in the light. And she didn't, I don't think she, I think she bought one. It only passed the test, right? Because they were marked up. They were stained up. They looked cute at first, but the light wasn't good. And then you can see that's, spiritually speaking, what's happening in our world right now. The light of the church. Let's not lose our, our brightness. It comes from Jesus. Let's not hide it. Let's be the salt and the light that he designed for us to be. And it's not to say that we won't speak out about God's word and his truth. We should. But our very lives should shine into that darkness. Being uncomfortable is not always a bad thing. You've been there before. You're around a friend or a family member, an acquaintance, and they're uncomfortable when they're around you because of their life. And you can choose to turn your light down and say, oh, don't, don't be uncomfortable. Now, I don't want to be obnoxious, but if there's an amount of discomfort there because they're seeing the light of Jesus, what a high calling for you and me. Say, Lord, you're using me to show them that things aren't right. They're way off. And that light exposes. The Bible says here that there are things, that there are sins that we shouldn't even speak of. I like that because we live in a world that thinks that the play-by-play details of sin need to be exposed. Isn't that the way the headlines are written? Just to be like, ooh, you know, give me the, the juicy details. And the Bible says here, even though the Bible once again does go through and define and enumerate that which is sin in a very detailed manner, it doesn't say, I need to know all of the details about that pride or that lust or that greed and how it all happened. You know what we ought to do? Just shut that down. Say, oh, more uncleanness? I don't need to hear the details of that. They just go digging for dirt, and they enjoy the dirt, the mud, right? The filth. And they say, wow. No, it, there's, there's nothing wonderful about it. The Bible also tells us here that not only do we not need to be in there enumerating all the details of the sin, right? but that bad stuff happens in the dark. This is not rocket science, is it? 2019, the statistics, midnight was the peak hour for violent crimes like rape and sexual assault, while 2 a.m. was the ideal time to stay off the roads. 
DUI police incidents happen the most often then. So you're thinking, it's, it's, it's midnight. It's 1 in the morning. It's 2 in the morning. 2018, FBI data showed that the deadliest time of the day is midnight to 1 a.m. Homicide figures stayed relatively high until 3 a.m. Now, those who lack reason are going to say, well, it doesn't mean you can't love God at night. It doesn't mean you can't do good things at night. I didn't say that. The Bible is saying here that deeds are made to be Deeds of darkness are made to be hidden. So many times they take place in the dark where they think they're going to be concealed. Isn't that the truth about our lives? When we know we're not walking in a pleasing manner, when we know that we're sinning against the God that saved us, that we want to hide it as much as we can. Right away, we should know the fact that I'm hiding this shows that I'm not where I ought to be. The fact that I need to hide this that it can't be in the light, that we can't know. That's, that's a problem. Walk in the light, exposing works of darkness. Some people consider themselves to be like, that's my job. I'm just supposed to go around and point the finger. I, I do know that we're to stand, but let it be with the light of our lives. Let the, the world see the difference of Christ in us. The last verse, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Last of all, walk in the light, Isaiah chapter 60 here, not in their entirety, but pieces of the first two verses of Isaiah 60. They say this, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Now the words aren't exactly the same because think of this, Paul is translating from the Hebrew to the Greek and then that is translated by more modern translators into English and we have translators bringing it straight from the Hebrew into the English today. But I'm going with Paul's translation, not just because he had great linguistics, but because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to show us the depth of what Isaiah chapter 60 means. It's not just about darkness. It's about deep depravity. It's about death. Because it's put in the, the way of deep darkness in the people. Now, Paul tells us here that it's actually death, that that deep darkness is death. And when God comes and he shows himself, it's not that he just comes above us, because it said this at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 60, that the Lord will come over his people, but that he will rise over them. But it literally means that he will give light to them and that if he will bring them from death to life. So Paul is speaking about resurrection here. He is taking Psalm, sorry, he's taking Isaiah 60 and saying, this isn't just about light and darkness. This is about a resurrected life. You are a new creation in Christ. If you've made Jesus your Lord, that's your identity. But he's resurrecting you. He's making you new. He's making you clean, practically speaking. He's sanctifying you. So walk in the light as the resurrected. Yes, it's more of your identity being light, but being resurrected because the Lord has defeated death on our behalf. It doesn't make sense that we would go and live in the deeds of darkness, in the deeds of death, but that we would live in the light of Christ. The Lord Jesus 
shining his light to us. Even if the little bit sinister, dark has, has a draw in our lives because of our depravity, pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I want my desires to be just clean and open and pure before you. Let me love the light. Let me love that which is clean. Let me be sick when, when things are dirty. Let me not be okay with the uncleanness of this world in my life. Let me not be a person who gets soiled by this world, but let me be the light that beams your grace to them. Jesus, we sing these songs to you, knowing who we were and knowing who we are. We sing them to you, knowing also, Lord, that you're changing us day by day. I praise your name for being so patient, for enduring with me, for enduring with all of us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.